This morning's scripture reading will be from uh, 1 Samuel 17, verses 44 through 47. 1 Samuel 17, 44 through 47. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistines, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camps of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. A couple of weeks ago, we began a program here at KD entitled Reading in Sync. And the idea is that each of us will commit to reading a chapter of God's Word five days a week. If you want to know what those chapters are, there's a plan for this week coming up, and there are some handouts in the foyer that you can take with you, or you can look on our website. But we'd like to invite you and your family to read God's Word with us. And the idea of reading in sync, reading together, means that we're all reading the same chapters, and we're all thinking the same way in a given week. And so this past week we talked about, or we read about, how faith is the victory. And we're going to talk in just a moment about 1 Samuel chapter 17 specifically. So go ahead and open your Bibles there if you haven't already done that. This coming week we're going to be reading about Jesus. And the entitled uh, song of this particular week is No Not One. And as we think about who Jesus is, I want you to ask a couple of questions as you're thinking about and reflecting on God's Word this week. A couple of questions I want you to think about. Number one, what was Jesus really like? As you read this week, what was Jesus really like? What does the Bible say he was really like? And then question number two, what did Jesus notice and what did he think was important? What did he notice and what did he think was important? As you read God's Word this week with your families or just individually, Ask those questions of the readings. What was Jesus like? And what did Jesus notice? And what did he think was important? You're going to learn a lot about Jesus just by reading about his life. And that's the intention of Scripture. And so as we think about no, not one, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. All that said, let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 17 together this morning. This was a reading from this past week. And we've been focusing on the thought, faith is the victory. Every single one of us faces trials and difficulties in our lives. And the Bible tells us over and over in various ways that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. We are to walk by faith. We are to stand fast in faith. We are to pray in faith. We are a people that are living by faith. And what it means to live by faith is that you don't get caught up in the way things appear to your eyes. 
You don't get caught up and you don't get overly frustrated by the situations and the difficulties of life because of the fact that we serve a great God and because of the fact that we know that he's on our side. Faith is the victory because of the God that we serve. Why was David, this young shepherd, able to defeat Goliath? Why was he? Was it because David was talented? Was it because David was a really good shot with the slingshot? Was it because that David was boisterous and out there and loud? Why was David able to take down a giant? Because of his faith. Because David looked at the situation and he said, things are not necessarily the way they appear to everybody else. And David looked at the situation with the eyes of faith. And that's what I want to challenge you to do this morning. I want to challenge you to look at the situations that we face in life through the eyes of faith because faith truly is the victory. Appearances are so often deceiving. Notice, if you will, as we set up 1 Samuel chapter 17, Again, many of us read this this past week. I hope that you got a chance to do that. Maybe you noticed and saw some things that you haven't seen before, maybe that you'd forgotten about. But you think about what David and the armies of Israel were up against. There was this giant and his name was Goliath. And verse four tells us that he was six cubits and a span, which works out to something like nine feet, nine inches tall. Now, I want to add this. I did some research on this this week. There's actually some scholarship that's come out in the last few years looking at ancient texts of the Hebrew Bible, and there may be a case that could be built, a scholarly case for the idea that Goliath really wasn't nine foot nine, that maybe he was instead six foot nine. He's still a giant. I mean, you think about somebody that was built like an NFL offensive lineman that's six foot nine. I don't care who you are, he's still going to be a giant. He is a big man, regardless of how tall he is. He's a giant. And he goes and he stands in front of the armies of the Philistines, and he's challenging Israel to a fight. One-on-one, you picked your best warrior, and we'll pick me because I'm the best warrior, and we're going to duel it out. And whoever lives, that army becomes the victor. He's a giant. Not only is he nine foot nine, but the Bible indicates that his armor weighs 200 pounds. He is well armed, heavily defended. How are you going to take somebody down that big and that well armed? And not only that, but he has a 25 pound spearhead. He is a massive man and he is able to throw a spear with a 25 pound head on it and to throw it accurately. Not only that, but Goliath, as you look at what the scripture says about him, he stood in front of the armies of Israel. And what's really interesting to me is that this wasn't just a one-time offer. No, the armies were in a stalemate. Philistine army on one side of the valley, Israelite army on the other side of the valley. And every day for 40 days, 40 days, Goliath came out and began to tease and to taunt the Israelite army. Send one of your warriors out to me. Let's do battle. Let's get on with it for 40 days. And one of the reasons why the Bible tells us it was 40 days is because we need to get through our minds and get into our, into our, into our hearts the idea this wasn't just a knee-jerk reaction. 
The Israelite army had looked at the situation. They had looked at their own strengths and their own abilities. And they said, this is a hopeless case. There is not a man among us who can go and take this giant down. And so they cowered. And the Bible says in verse 24 that they ran away every time Goliath came near. Goliath was the kind of man who was intimidating. And for 40 days, you want to think about morale being low. You want to think about an army being frustrated and discouraged. Think about 40 days camped out looking at the Philistine army and being taunted every day for 40 days. That's what David walks into because his father, Jesse, calls him out of the fields where he is watching the sheep to go and to check on three of his brothers who are in the army. And so when you look at what David has going for him, by all appearances, not a great deal. David is young and the Bible says as much and David admits as much about himself in three separate places in this chapter, verse 14, verse 32, and verse 42. But not only is he young, the Bible says that he is just a shepherd. He's not a trained warrior. He is not skilled in combat. David has not been, as far as we know, in any kind of military engagement ever in his life inexperienced. Not only that, but David, the Bible says, as we said, inexperienced. One thing David did have go, going for him, though, was this. The Bible indicates, if you've read 1 Samuel, that David was, as God put it, a man after my own heart. 1 Samuel 13, verse 14. That gets repeated, by the way, in the book of Acts, in Acts 13, verse 22. David, a man after God's own heart. He was a man who knew God, a man who understood the goodness and the greatness of God, and a man who believed very fervently in the power of God. And so when David made decisions, when David made choices, it wasn't just based on how things appeared to his eyes. When David made decisions, it was by faith. That's what it means to be a person after God's own heart, making decisions not just by what we see, but by what God has said. As we think about faith this morning and faith being the victory that overcomes the world, I want to take this passage, 1 Samuel 17, and I want to share with you some insights about what real faith looks like. Some insights that you learn about David and what genuine faith is all about. In the first place this morning, what's genuine faith all about? Verses 20 through 27 of this passage indicates that faith sees things differently. David comes out to the battle. There are two armies in a stalemate. He hears what the giant is saying. He hears the taunts. And David looks at what the Israelite army is doing. And they're running away from the giant, it says in verse 24. And David looks at this entire situation and David comes away with this conclusion. I want you to listen. The army is wrong. The Israelite army is not doing the right thing. They have assessed the situation, they've made judgments, and they are wrong about what they've decided. This is about God. This is about who God is. This is about the people of God. David looked at the situation, and because he's thinking about God and his will, he sees things differently than everybody else. There's a difference. And as you think about what it means to see things differently, brothers and sisters and friends, being faithful means that we pay attention to what God says in his word. 
It means that we pay attention to his promises, especially what has God promised to do? What has God commanded me to do? And there are some questions worth reflecting on along these lines. As we look at the situations in our lives, the difficulties in our lives, one of the questions that we ought to ask ourselves because of faith is this, how does this situation relate to God's word and God's will? Not enough Christians ask that question. Not enough people ask that question. How does this particular situation relate to God's word and God's will? What commandments and promises has God given? Has God spoken to the situation in which I find myself? Does his word make a promise? Does his word give me a commandment that he wants me to follow? What does God want me to do? You know, people who act and live by faith, they sometimes do things that seem really counterintuitive. They seem really strange to the world. In fact, one of our readings this week dealt with that, didn't it? In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 4, the Bible says that the people that we've left behind when we became Christians, they think it's strange that we do not run with them anymore to the same flood of dissipation. There's a difference because people who live by faith, they see things differently. You know, one of the biggest challenges we're going to face in our lives is not just the difficulties in front of us. Everybody faces difficulties. The real challenge that the Israelite army faced and the real challenge that you and I face is will I see things God's way? Will I look at this situation through the eyes that God desires me to see with? Faith sees things differently. David certainly did. What else do you learn about faith as you look at this passage between David and Goliath, the giant? Verse 26, faith is not afraid to differ from others. Not afraid to be different. You know what David did with this situation with the giant? He took the whole situation, the armies and the challenge and the fear, and he boiled all of it down to two things. Two things. Number one, he boiled it down to a thing about identity, a principle of identity. Who are we and who are those people over there? We are the Israelites. Has God spoken to us, the Israelites, God, David would ask? Yes, God said that we were his chosen people. God said that he was going to protect us. God promised our father Abraham that he was going to bless those who bless us and curse those who curse us way back in Genesis 12, verses 3 and following. God said those things. And so what the Goliath and the Philistines are doing is an affront to who we are. You know, sometimes as members of the church, one of the things we ought to do is go back and think about the identity that God gives us when we become Christians. Do you realize that when you obey the gospel, God gives you an identity, a new identity? All the things that you used to be, all the things that you were, God gives you a new identity. You are now in Christ. You are now in the body of Christ. God has blessed you and God has forgiven you and you have a new identity in him. And sometimes in the difficulties that we find ourselves facing, that new identity needs to be what we go back and reflect on and think about. Who does God say that I am? But not only that, David boiled this down to a sense of purpose. Our purpose as Israelites, David would say, is to bring honor and glory to God. That's what we're all about. We are a people that was chosen by God 
and selected specially by him to bring forth the Messiah. And our purpose as a nation is to bring honor and glory to God. And this Philistine is dishonoring the God that we serve. We need to stop and look at and assess the challenges in our lives and ask the question, who does God say that I am? And what does God say that I ought to be all about? Notice this as well as you think about faith being different. David stood with God. He was exactly where God wanted him to be, but no man in all of Israel stood with David. Saul kind of encouraged him. Well, take my armor. I guess you can go and try to fight the giant. But that was about as much as he got. He was different. You know, Jesus said that you and I, if we live by faith, we're going to be different. He said, you're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. He said that people are going to think you strange, that you don't do the same things you used to do. There's going to be a difference because of faith. Matthew 5, 13 through 16, 1 Peter 4 and verse 4. Next, what does faith do? What does it look like? Not only is it not afraid to differ from others, but faith chooses its battles wisely. Look at verses 28 through 30. It chooses its battles wisely. The Bible says that David's got three older brothers in the army and Eliab, the oldest brother, he says in verse 28, David, where did you come from and why do you have these strident opinions and why are you mouthing off in front of the entire army of Israel? You're full of pride. You're full of yourself. You need to be quiet and go back to the sheep that you came from. We're men. We'll handle this. And you're full of pride and you're full of yourself. That's what he accuses David of doing in verse 26 or verse 28. You know what's interesting is that when you read on in verses 29 and 30, David doesn't get overly involved in all this. He just says, is there not a cause? And then the Bible says in verse 30, watch this, David turned away. His older brother, David could have, and by the way, David was the little brother. Out of the sons of Jesse, David was the youngest. This is the oldest talking to the youngest. There's quite a bit of age difference between the two. I'm sure they've tangled up before. But David doesn't think it's time to stay, stay and to fight with his oldest brother. This is not his battle. This is not his fight, not David's. We need, as God's people, to think about this principle. We ought to be very, very careful about fighting with our brothers and sisters. We ought to be very, very careful about that. Because think about this. What if David had decided to engage Eliab? What if David had decided that this was his fight? This was where he needed to stand his ground. He called me proud. He called me full of myself. And I know my own heart. And that's not the way I am. And that's not the reputation I want to I have among the armies of Israel. He's saying this very loudly in front of all the other soldiers. What if David decided to defend himself? Now you've got the army of the Israelites fighting internally, don't you? while the giant still stands down in the valley calling out and mocking the God that they're all supposed to be serving. There are times when all of us need to stand up and to contend earnestly for the faith once for all delivered to the saints, Jude verse 3, but we need to choose our battles wisely. David certainly did on this occasion. 
Here are some key questions when we think about choosing battles. Incidentally, if you'll notice, what Eliab did, what David's oldest brother did, was he accused something about David's reputation. And David's thinking, that's not really my fight. That's not worth defending. But when it came to Goliath, talking about God and talking about how God wasn't able to save, those are words that David's going to stand up and defend. That's the battle he needs to be fighting. Key questions. Am I concerned about God's honor or mine? Before you get yourself involved in any controversy, ask and answer that question. Whose honor am I really concerned about? Second question, am I making personal conflict a doctrinal one? This happens, by the way, quite a bit in some of our relationships. We have in our minds that I don't like what somebody's doing. I don't like the way that they're acting. I don't like the choice they're making. And so we go into God's word and we try to make what they're doing because it's a personal conflict. We try to make it into a doctrinal conflict. It's not right. Some things are doctrinal, but not everything is. And then this question, does this conflict need to happen right now? Does this need to happen right this minute? David turned away. Faith, brothers and sisters and friends, is willing to stand, is willing to fight for what's right, but it chooses its battles wisely. Next, what do you learn about faith from David and Goliath? Faith remembers its past victories. You want to know what I noticed most as I read this passage this past week? I noticed, and I guess I've never really thought about this before, I noticed that most people, when they think about their past, they think about their failures. They think about how they messed up and where they fell short and where they made mistakes and the people that they've hurt in their past. And we think about those things when we think about our past, but not David. David thought about his victories. When he goes to Saul and Saul says, you're not able to fight this giant. What's David's line of reasoning? David's line of reasoning is the Lord gives credit to God has delivered your servant from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. Now, I actually did some research on this. There were bears in Israel in the days of the Israelites. They're called Syrian brown bears. They're still around in Iran and Iraq today, but they have long since been extinct in Israel and Lebanon, places like that. But as recently as 150 years ago, you could still find Syrian brown bears. I saw a picture of one on the internet. I don't want to meet a Syrian brown bear face to face. Not only that, there were Asian lions that prowled in Israel in those days. And if you look carefully at what David says, David says that these lions and these bears, they would come in and they would grab a sheep and they would carry it off into the thicket. That's, that's the way they would attack. And David, as a good shepherd, he would go after the sheep. He would chase after the predator that was carrying the sheep off. And he says, I've delivered the sheep from the mouth of the lion and the bear. And then David says something that's really astounding. He says, I caught the creature. He doesn't say which one. I caught it by its beard and I struck it until it was dead. You know, you think about a young man you know, we're worried about, you know, school and getting into college and things like that when we have young men growing up today. But David, a young man, he's worried about whether or not the bear's going to eat him. And David, as a shepherd, is a good shepherd because he's watching after his father's flocks. And David has killed both lion and bear, it appears. 
But what's most significant about this is that he gave God credit for his victories. He said, it's not because I'm smart or strong. It's not because I have a great deal of skill as a shepherd. The reason why I've been able to do this is because God has delivered me. That's what it means to be a person of faith, a person after God's own heart. It means that when we think about our past victories, we think about the things that have happened in our past that are good, we give God the credit and we keep none for ourselves. That's the kind of man that David was. And if you want to live by faith and if you want to be faithful and have the kind of faith that overcomes the world, give God the credit for your victories. Because isn't he really the one that's given you the abilities and the opportunities that you've faced in your life? Faith remembers past victories. And also those past victories are indicators of future successes. That's what David was thinking. Faith seeks the right weapons next. Verses 38 through 40, Saul gives David his armor. David puts on the armor. It's too big. It's too bulky. It's not been tested, David says. It was impressive, but it just didn't fit. The world's going to try to tell you how to fight some battles. The world's going to try to tell you how to fix some problems in your life. The world's going to try to tell you how to address the challenges that face you. And the world is going to give you armor to try to deal with those things. And it may look impressive and it may seem sophisticated. It may seem like the right way. But if it's not from God, it just doesn't fit, brothers and sisters and friends. The way God wants us to deal with our challenges, the way he wants us to deal with our difficulties is by faith. Give God your heart and he will equip you with the weapons that you need in order to be successful. Put on the whole armor of God, Paul says, Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. Do you think about that? As you face the challenges in your life, do you think about God's armor? When we put on God's armor, when we think about what God wants us to do by faith, God will make us sure-footed Even when everybody around us seems to be losing their balance, God gives us a place to stand. He is a rock. Psalm 40, verse 2. Sharp-eyed, when nobody knows where to look next, when nobody knows what's coming, when nobody knows what's the next shoe to drop, the the next trap door to open, we have a place to look. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Hebrews 12, verse 2. That's fighting with God's armor. God not only makes us sure-footed and sharp-eyed, he makes us quick-eared. Servants of God, listen to the voice of Jesus. You are my sheep, and my sheep hear my voice, he says in John 10, verse 27. Are you listening to what he says in the trials and challenges of your life? God will make us and equip us so that we are well-protected. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, well protected, Ephesians 6, verses 13 through 16, and powerfully equipped. Ephesians 6, verses 17 and 18 talks about how the word of God is the sword of the spirit. It talks about how we are to pray always in all things about everything because God is able, God is sufficient. If faith's gonna be the victory that overcomes the world, the right weapons all of them have to do with looking to God and depending on God. Have you ever noticed that? 
The way God wants us to deal with our trials is to look at him, to listen to him, to trust and obey him, to depend on him. That's how people live by faith. Next, what do you learn about faith from David and Goliath in 1 Samuel 17? Faith obeys, it acts. Verses 41 through 50, David, this young shepherd, goes out with just five smooth stones and his sling. And David stands before Goliath, and he makes this battle all about the true God. You have defied the living God, the God of the armies of Israel. You have defied the one true God, and I'm going to demonstrate to you and to all these people, including the army of Israel, who he is and what he's all about, David says. David looked that giant in the eye and he didn't even flinch, verse 48. And David won the victory because not only did he trust God, but he obeyed God's word. He was courageous. He didn't shrink back from one who was insulting the God who made the world and everything that was in it. Brothers and sisters and friends, faith is not just about having the right answers to the Bible questions. It's not just about having all the right ideas about how we ought to tackle a problem, how we ought to deal with a challenge. Faith is about living those solutions. It's about choosing those decisions that need to be made in our lives. And as you read this week, Gideon trusted God and obeyed God's word and took 300 men into battle and defeated the Midianites after he obeyed. Not only did Gideon do that, but Daniel's friends trusted that God was able to deliver them. And after they were thrown to the fiery furnace, God delivered them. Daniel chapter 3. The heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 that we read about this week, all of them did something. Noah built an ark. Abraham left his home. Joseph declared that his bones needed to be taken to Egypt after his death. Moses forsook Egypt to be counted among the people of God. All of these people throughout Hebrews chapter 11, they believed, they trusted, and they obeyed. They did something about what they believed to be true. That's the victory, the faith that overcomes the world. And I tell you this morning, you can do it too. If you'll listen to what God's word teaches, and if you'll trust what he says, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. God has promised you that he will forgive your sins, that he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness if you will come to Jesus in humble, submissive faith and put him on in baptism. If you'll just believe and repent and be baptized, God says, I'll forgive you. I'll add you to the body of Christ. I'll cleanse you from all your iniquity. Do you have faith to do that? As we walk by faith, God has made promises. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Matthew 6, verse 33. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, verse 19. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. God has made promises to Christians. Let's claim those promises. Let's make our decisions accordingly. That's the victory that overcomes the world. 
Maybe you're here this morning. You need to make a decision based on your faith. If we can help you to pray for you, if we can help you by being immersed in water for remission of sins, whatever your need is, won't you come while together we stand and while we sing?